Welcome to the Player Pool Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of NFL daily fantasy sports. If you are tired of following the crowd, being held hostage to whatever tout you're following on Twitter that month, feeling like there's so many options you don't even know where to begin, then the Player Pool Podcast is the right place for you. Here, we aren't going to spoon feed you lineups. Each week, we'll discuss our player pool and walk through the decision tree that you must navigate while building your roster. The player pool is not just a giant list of all fantasy relevant players, okay? It's also not a weekly player picks machine. If you're hooked on those, you require the minimum amount of work each week to play fantasy football, and I think your results are deserved. So here's your warning. If you want to embrace the player pool process as I have to great DFS success, DFS success to the level where my wife checks in on Saturdays to make sure I've done my lineups or not. Then it's going to require you to do some work. But I'm going to tell you something. You're going to like it. Because it's going to be your product. Your NFL football, fantasy football brain that comes out at the end of the week. Not somebody else's. So this podcast isn't for the faint-hearted or the risk-adverse. It's about to get weird and unconventional. So buckle up. Are you ready to take your DFS game to a whole new level? Then it's time to dive headfirst into the player pool. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboyne. Welcome back to the Player Pool. I am happy you are here. Folks, we still have 28 days until opening day i don't know about you but i feel like it's week six and i can't consume enough football content i am constantly checking twitter just to hear the same beat report writers telling me the exact same thing that everyone's available everyone's up for grabs all the rookies are amazing every new player you have never heard of is running through defenses as if they're not there it is All the hype, none of the substance. It's the NFL preseason, baby. And after week one is finished, when a lot of football fans sat down to hopefully see something useful out of the three exciting new rookie quarterbacks in the league, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud, unfortunately, if you were hoping to get a good scouting look at any of these young rookies, you've come to realize what the head coaches already know. It's just the preseason. All three of these rookie quarterbacks were not on your screen for longer than half an hour. I know for a fact that C.J. Stroud did not even have his full starting offensive line out there to protect him. I think he threw three or four passes. But we've come to that point where people are asking, what can we learn out of the preseason? I don't really think you can learn position battles. You really can't even read snap share situations in my opinion you're hearing all these names and you're getting all your friends to send you these hype videos of guys you should draft or go to the waiver wire for all these no names you're hearing because the guys whose names you know are in the thick of it right now i don't need to see an austin eckler training camp highlight video i need to see him catch a swing pass and go 22 yards for a touchdown in week one i don't need to see Jamar Chase jumping over his defender 
maybe take a George Pickens boxing glove and punch his defender upside the head before he jumps over him. I don't need to see that highlight in August. I need to see that highlight in September. But right now, you're kind of at a used car lot. You're hearing about a lot of options, but at the end of the day, we're only buying new, okay? So everything you're looking at ain't an option. And just a brief pause in this podcast to acknowledge that I did see George Pickens catch a slant route and take it to the house. And I too thought he kind of did look like AJ Brown when he did that. So here's hoping he makes me put my foot in my mouth before the end of the season. It looked pretty good, George. Okay, back to it. There is something in the preseason that is very DFS specific that you can pay attention to and could help you out down the road. Once again, just another little thumb on the scale when it's time to make hard decisions during the regular season. The DFS specific thing you can learn or take away from the preseason is you can hear or listen or identify the names of future fill-ins for injured players. Let me say that again. You're getting a fresh look at third stringers right now who by week eight may be the second stringer or now may be a very viable third stringer, a guy who got some targets and catches and people thought it was a one-off, but you know that that guy's a real capable dude. So only throughout the preseason now can you get little glimpses. I'm not saying buy the whole pie, but kind of work an edge off the crust a little bit and file it away in your memory or create it down in the back of your journal just some dudes who, who could show, who, who played super well in the preseason and just look like minimum boys out there. There will come a time in the season when you need a third wide receiver pick or a team has a flurry of injuries and this guy will be in your value side of your player pool and if you can identify him and choose him and have the guts to play him, you're going to have the benefit of playing a guy who can put some stats out there, but he's also going to be super low-owned. Some of the best wins I've ever had in my career came from that kind of a move where you remembered a guy because he showed he belonged in the preseason and then later down the road he was in the options and everybody was talking about him and you chose the right guy. And then I come out with a wide receiver three who's like 2% owned and he busts off for, you know, 88 and a touchdown, which is a lot of points from your wide receiver three in, in daily fantasy. So that is the one takeaway. We learn about backups for down the road. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. It may just come in handy as we go. Can we just say something we did not learn in week one of the preseason? We didn't learn quite yet if Justin Fields can throw it. Okay. I understand his sat line has been put out there by the team and by every big sports news place because Chicago's got to have their athlete. The stat line looks like Randy Moss did it. Three of three passing for 129 and two touchdowns. We're not talking about how two of those passes didn't even go past the line of scrimmage. They were screen passes. And one of them, quite frankly, was a bad throw to DJ Moore, who had to adjust. There were defenders around him. That play, nine out of ten times, is going for negative three yards. The other swing pass to Khalil Herbert, who also went to the house, I mean, on a given day, is that going all the way to the house every time or is that going for five yards at best? Bears fans, all I would say is that right now, yes, it was three of three for 129, but if real-life football happens, I think if all the starters are on the field in a preseason game, 
Justin Fields walks away with three of three for about 20 yards. So all I'm saying is Justin Fields has not proven he is a prolific passer yet. I just want everyone's expectations to stay down. I don't want anyone to get hurt later. So the news is out that the longest engagement ever, Dalvin and the Jets, has been finalized. Dalvin Cook will join Aaron Rodgers and fellow running back Brees Hall on the Jets. At the same time, Ezekiel Elliott could not work his magic one last time with Jerry Jones, and he is signed now with Bill Belichick's Patriots to now infuse and muddy up the backfield there in a perfect Patriots style. Ramondre Stevenson, owners in fantasy, did not have a good day yesterday. I wonder, for people listening to this, when you saw this news or when you heard it just now, what were your thoughts? If you're a season-long fantasy or a dynasty fantasy player and you already have these players, obviously your thoughts on this are going to be negative if you owned Ramondre Stevenson or Brees Hall. But the mindset, the thinking in daily fantasy sports sees this differently. So if you were thinking, this is bad, it's going to add more options, it's, going to, it's removing Brees Hall and Ramon J. Stevenson from being useful. They're not going to be as good now. In DFS, that is a good thing. It is best when there are fewer options, when your player pool is smaller, that is when DFS is at its best for you. You do not, and you will see as the season goes, Want those weeks when there are 15 strong, viable, you better have some exposure to these guys running backs. Because to cover them all, depending on your budget and what you're planning on playing, you may not be able to cover and play all those running backs. Or you're going to suffer elsewhere in your lineup at wide receiver or quarterback, which you're not willing to do. The player pool is built to play three to nine lineups. Any more than that, and your bankroll needs to be massive this process cuts through the noise and goes right through the muddy water but it's a lot easier to do that when there's just less options so remove some of those options from the board watch what the field will do the field gets obsessed with these situations and tries to read them correctly and be right on them one week or another because Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, Ramon J. Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott well maybe not Zeke but the, the last three are all going to probably put up scores at some point in the season that are top five or top ten. And their their salaries, it's going to be a good deal if you did play them that week, and there's going to be someone there going, I told you so. But I am telling you, trying to play the correct game of whack-a-mole with these running back by committees that are not defined or are, or are vultures to each other, where I envision Zeke's going to be inside the ten going forward, and Ramondre's going to be between the 20s guys. Same thing for Brees Hall, quite frankly. Um you don't want to be playing that wrong game of guess. We're playing the sure things, the clear cuts. That's why we have identified studs. Studs are people who have open opportunity to get as many touches as they can handle, or at least at a certain floor. These four players, probably not making the player pool for the first few weeks. Don't overreact if off 8 to 12 touches, Brees Hall pops off in week 1. I'm still not playing in week 2 if that's all the touches he gets. It's not sustainable. There's so many much better options. Let the fish in the field make all the bad choices. You keep it simple. I'll tell you what could have been a bad decision. I was watching the Dalvin Cook 
situation all offseason, and I was worried about him going to a team, but it wasn't the Jets. And when he went to the Jets camp and left without a deal, I almost felt like this was a certain outcome, and I hated it. It was going to screw up a big side of NFL daily fantasy, I, I felt. But if Dalvin Cook had went and signed with the Dolphins, that's a catastrophe. Because not only would he have been, obviously, running back one, probably would have gotten strong touches, just strong enough to be considerable week to week, but he would have had those stable of running backs behind him, including Moster, who's in his 30s but can still just show the speed and power. There would always be, be those players lurking behind him just below him in skill. And at the same time, it would have also screwed up the balance of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and how that whole thing worked out. It would have taken us weeks to see what that team was going to do. So I was relieved that Dalvin did not go to the Dolphins. I am very happy and satisfied he's on the Jets because now he murks up the Brees Hall situation. We don't need to bet on whether or not that knee that Brees Hall is coming back from is going to be healthy or how good he's going to be. Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall basically cancel each other out until they prove otherwise. In DFS, you don't want all the options. Less options are better. So I've started to get a lot of questions about the player pool, uh, the player pool process, and the player pool podcast and what we're planning on doing this year. Uh, So I went ahead I created an email address for the show. It's called the player pool podcast at gmail.com. I'll say it again, the player pool podcast at gmail.com. You got any questions at all, shoot them in there. I'll try to get to them when I can or if I can. Um, and then along those lines, we had a couple questions we were going to go ahead and go through on the show today. Uh, so I'll get into it. First one up, uh, I don't understand the multiple lineups based on the journal selection. Is each lineup a bet? So yes and no. So you're going each line. Yes, you're going to create multiple lineups in a week. Now it's not going to be a hundred plus. Like I said before in, in earlier episodes, I usually play between three and nine a week, and th- with that comes a higher bankroll. So usually I have about two thousand or so in a week. That's what it takes to play, you know, nine lineups and play at the level that I want to play at. Um, but you create the lineup, and it's think of it almost like you're loading bullets into a gun. So you create lineups one through six. You load those into the revolver. And then what you're going to do, basically, is with each lineup you've created, you're going to go to a contest. So on FanDuel, DraftKings, they have contests, and there's different levels of how many in, uh, entries you can enter, You know what the total cash prize is. And, uh, you know, what percentage of people even, you know, hit the cash. So they all have their different contests. We're definitely going to talk about which contest to play to maximize your returns and all this. But ultimately, it's going to be your goal to shoot all six of your lineups into the same contest and an equal level of entry money per lineup. Because in weeks you hit one of them, well, if you hit one of them, it can sometimes cover and keep you even on the week, something like that. So uh, that's what I mean by multiple lineups. And your each lineup, yes, is created through the player pool. So when you look down at your player pool, you're going to start. You know, we briefly talked about the order uh, in the first uh, episode of the pod, but 
you know, you'll start at quarterback and it'll carry you through a good half of your decision making. Um, normally you can get four or five choices picked for you just out of the player pool. And then once you're done with that lineup, you create a new lineup that kind of almost snakes its way across your journal, selecting new players. Um, this is how you can touch a lot more of the players you've identified in your journal. I mean, is, is how many lineups, which goes back to my earlier point about Dalvin cook and, and Ezekiel Elliott signings. That's why you want less options on your player pool. You can play less lineups and play less money. Uh, the second question we have in, uh, does the player pool work for other slates other than the main slates? Yes, mostly. So I use this for the the Thanksgiving slate. That's, a, you know, one day, but it's three games. I've done it for three game slates. It does not work for showdown. You can't use this on any of the single game contests, Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Thursday Night Football. Uh, player pool doesn't work for that. Uh, I've tried it. Trust me, it, it didn't go well. But you can play. I've played it as little as a three-game slate. Um, it, it's pretty useful that way. Um, and then last question for today. Oh, what can we see what a journal looks like? Absolutely. I am planning on posting that on the podcast's social media accounts soon. I'll try to get that out in the next day. If you haven't already, you know, I'm, please follow. You know, all this podcast social accounts. Uh, it's by name on Spotify and Facebook. Please give us a follow there on Twitter and Instagram. We are player pool pod. So I'm going to post a, a picture of a, of an old journal page. That's, you know, pretty worked up and, and that can kind of show you what we're dealing with here. I want to end the show on some of my thoughts on the Trey Lance situation with the 49ers. So it's no secret that Brock Purdy, after starting and ending the year last year for the 49ers, uh, has the starting job with them and Kyle Shanahan. That was announced before training camp started and before we had seen Brock Purdy throw a ball with you know his surgically repaired elbow, he was dubbed the starter. That's what they want. Now there's a lot of shaming on Trey Lance calling him bad or he is... One of the involved in one of the worst trades in NFL history for all the 49ers gave up to pick him. People are already pointing out that Justin Fields could have been had uh, with the pick the 49ers used. A lot of beating up on Trey Lance right now. First off, it's not Trey Lance's fault that his talent level is or isn't where it should be right now. He was drafted, if you can remember back on draft day, he was drafted as a pure project quarterback that was said with that pick it was a couple year project decision i don't think that information was ever communicated to kyle shanahan properly because immediately it became if we can all remember history for a minute trey lance is the now we want to get away from always broken injured jimmy garoppolo that was the narrative right then and there. So already it had been shifted from a kid from North Dakota State. And he's drafted as a, he has all the intangibles. He's the guy. He has everything we want in a player, but he's a project. He gets drafted in that role with that high of a pick. And then quickly they say, no, he should just be Brett Favre day one, rookie year. Of course he goes, he gets hurt, breaks his ankle. Then we have the Jimmy G show again. But it's not Trey Lance's fault. Listen, he played at North Dakota State. You know where Brock Purdy played? Iowa State. Now, while they may be way up there, they play way different schedules, if you know these football clubs. 
I mean, I'm looking at both schedules in 2022. Iowa State, I got a buddy who's a big Iowa State fan. He's going to love this part. But Iowa State, they're playing Iowa, Big Ten, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, TCU, Cincinnati, Baylor, Kansas. Okay? You're thinking, mm, that was some uppers, mostly mid-college teams. Okay, fine. But North Dakota State, they played Drake, NCANT, Youngstown State, Southern Illinois Salukis, I heard they're they're decent sometimes in football. You get my point. They came from two complete di- different levels of football. Trey Lance is probably reached and taken too early. So he has top three expectations. But it's not his fault that he came into a franchise who did not realize the team was in win-now mode until after they drafted Trey Lance. As far as Trey Lance is concerned... His football career is already a sky-high success. He has made life-changing money for him and his family. Wherever Trey Lance calls his hometown, he is a legend there now. Take it easy on him. He played at North Dakota State, for crying out loud. Do you know who else came out of North Dakota State? Carson Wentz. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Player Pool Pods.